-hmm. Clinton overstepped his boundaries. He, he, he utilized the space to articulate something that I, I felt like was, was damaging, it was divisive, and it was intentional. Welcome to this week's episode of Listen In with Shamika Pickett, Brandon Green, and Daniel Hill. Welcome to episode three. Hey, y'all. Hey, What's hey, up? Hey, hey. How are you? Good. It's good, good to be back again. Doing good. Doing good. Good. I'm, I'm a little tired. A little bit? Yeah. We got two episodes under our belt. Oh, I'm killing it. Yeah, it's well, kind of a milestone. Yeah, it is. Well, this is a pretty, um, I feel honored actually to be doing yeah. this particular episode. Um, the last couple of weeks, we saw three civil rights icons and elders make their transitions mm -hmm. to glory. Right. C.T. Um, <clears throat> Vivian, John Lewis, and Mimi Jones mm -hmm. um, all went home mm -hmm. for their, to their final resting places. Mm -hmm. And so we thought it was fitting to pause to honor the lives of, of those three people. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to do that in this episode. Um, we're also going to talk about um, John Lewis's funeral. Um, which was attended by some very well-known politicians and other um, figures in our country. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about um, an event that occurred at that funeral, which I'm sure many of you have already heard about. Um, but let's also pause before we jump into that conversation to talk about why we thought it was important to pause to honor the lives and legacies of these three folks. Yeah, um, for, for me, or at least from my vantage point, I think uh, the, the importance of actually taking a break and like actually eulogizing these individuals. Um, as difficult it is to eulogize someone you don't have a personal relationship with, um, I always feel like at funerals you're always taking inventory of someone's life and trying to like imagine what the legacy is going to be left behind. Mm -hmm. um, and as I think through that, um, th these th three individuals represent something more than just their efforts and their works on this earth. Mm -hmm. um, they were children of God, they, they bear the image of God, and they fought for the image of God. Mm -hmm. But they've done so in their own different, three different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's something about that, this, this, this chorus of, uh, of fight for liberation that we see in their lives that I think is not only significant, especially during this time period that we're in, I think, but always, mm -hmm. that, um, that we don't push our people and our fight for liberation into a monolith. And this is just an mm -hmm. opportunity to, to recognize the legacy of the diverse efforts to push for freedom for our people and for all the people, all people, you know. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And I probably represent too, you know, it's, it's you, you two both know these three figures well and what their lives represent and certainly see the importance of honor. And while I can certainly see that too, I'm embarrassed to admit as I always am by historical gaps, you know, I had some familiarity with John Lewis, very little familiarity with uh, C.T. Vivian or M Mimi Jones. And so I would imagine that full spectrums in our listener base too, where yeah. some who know the stories very well and the honor of those lives will come from that place. And then some of us who need to be honoring what they represented and don't even really have enough information to do so. And so thankful to be listening and learning even myself. Yeah. In my faith tradition, homegoing celebrations are very meaningful events. And so mm -hmm. we all were able to participate in John Lewis's homegoing celebration. It was televised by the graciousness of his family. Mm -hmm. um, but in some way, this feels like our own personal homegoing celebrations for them. Yeah. Um, the other reason why this conversation is significant to me is because I'm of a certain age now. And so it's, it's, it's not missed on me that I am living through um, the transitions mm -hmm. of civil rights yeah, icons, like right. they're leaving during my lifetime. Yeah. Um, and so it feels really personal to me when I call them elders. Mm -hmm. I call him Elder Lewis and Elder Vivian and mm -hmm. Eldridge Jones yeah, with yeah. meaningfulness in my heart. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
So Daniel, why don't you give us an overview of who C.T. Vivian was and what his work looked like while he was here on Earth? Yeah, well, as I mentioned, I've been learning about him. I've, I've enjoyed the memorials and being able to learn about their lives. Um, so C.T. Vivian was an American minister, an author, uh, also a close friend and lieutenant of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. during the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, re resided in Atlanta, Georgia, and founded the C.T. Vivian Leadership Institute. Also a member of the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity and uh, uh, lived a very full life, was two weeks shy of his 96th birthday when he died on July 17th, 2020. Yeah. We're also honoring the life of Mimi Jones. Interestingly enough, she died one week after Elder Lewis died, mm. um, and her death um, was hardly talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and I did a Google yeah. search actually of her um, transition. There were only two popular mm. um, searches or search results um, that talked about and celebrated her life in print. Mm -hmm. And so the Boston Globe was one place that covered it. But there's a very well-known photograph. I think the first time I saw the photograph was in middle school. It's a black and white photo of a white man and two young mm. black women in a pool at a motel. Mm. Um, and walking alongside the pool, fully dressed, is a white man, and he's pouring a clear liquid into the pool. Mm. You later learn that this white man was the motel owner. He owned the motel um, where they were in the pool. Um, Mimi Jones had traveled from Albany, it? Georgia. And he's pouring in the clear liquid. He was liquid. pouring in the clear liquid because Mimi Jones had traveled from Albany, Georgia to um, St. Augustine, Florida to participate in a pool protest. Mm -hmm. um, it was led by white people actually who lived in that part of Florida. Um, and it was their desire to integrate that pool. Mm -hmm. The motel owner was very unhappy with that, so he was pouring acid into the mm -hmm. pool. Goodness, goodness. And so in the photo, you see um, a look of shock and horror on Mimi's face. Her back is to him and she's grabbing for the white man that's in the pool to aid her in getting away mm. from the acid. And so I remember seeing that in mm -hmm. textbooks or in presentations in middle school um, and to think that she made her transition. Mm -hmm. um, but she didn't stop protesting there. Mm -hmm. You know, she went on to be arrested many times as a participant in nonviolent protest. Um, and as she aged in years, her protest and activism took on different forms, mm -hmm. but she did that work until the day that she died. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we're also going to be honoring um, John Lewis. Um, obviously, we know about his political career. Um, he started uh, in the you know, United States House of Representatives um, for Georgia's 5th Congressional District from 1987 until his death um, in 2020. Um, I think one of the things that the legacies that I, that I think about more personally, I always say, like, we, we always want to eulogize folks based upon their activities and, and, and things. And um, um, I have plenty of home goings and cel um, celebrations that we've we got to navigate my family, my neighborhood growing up. And, um, and one of the things that I always want to lead with is the legacy that they leave for me um, to, to kind of illustrate the way that we, we um, exegete their life, you know, that we, we look at their lives in a way that you can see how God informed the way they lived and how that was a manifestation of the way that they counsel and lead us. Mm -hmm. um, so when I think about, um, uh, what did you call him, Elder Lewis, um, he, he was... Uh, I remember like having this disdain for his his activities um, mm. growing up. Um, him representing the submissive um, uh, recipient of abuse, and um, and I've always 
push back against like the nonviolent kind of resistance way of, of, of doing things, um, largely because I was a young, angry man, um, but also I didn't understand the strength that it took to, to yeah, partake yeah. in that. Um, yeah. You grew up with this bravado as a kid that like, you know, let no one hit you and you yes. got you to hit back, you got to yes. do these sort of things. But but to fight against a principality, that, that, that it, a principle that is core to humanity, mm -hmm. which is that like you hit me, I hit back. Um, mm -hmm. I defend myself, I protect myself in order to move humanity um, further mm -hmm. along. Mm -hmm. um, I think we understate the sacrifice of those that participate in nonviolence, yeah. um, mm -hmm. that we understate the strength mm -hmm. that it takes to, to engage in that um, type of warfare. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think that we miss John Lewis if we only um, articulate him as a pacifist, mm -hmm. you know. Um, he was a believer in democracy, um, and he thought this form of democracy could be redeemed. Um, and the reason why he thought that is because he believed in a God that can redeem all things. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and, and that for me is uh, it's, it's challenging in the sense that, you know, like to, to literally live by that type of faith. Mm -hmm. yes. to, to that you would literally put your life on the line in the hopes that God could redeem your enemy. Mm -hmm. uh, those who would see you dead, um, mm -hmm. that he would... That he did he trust God that much, mm -hmm. you know. Um, that for me mm -hmm. is uh, mm -hmm. that that shakes me, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so mm -hmm. when I think of him, I I, I think of Elder Lewis. Uh, I, I'm just inspired by him. Mm -hmm. I'm inspired by him um, mm -hmm. and challenged, <laughs> you know. Um, and so yeah, um, I'm I'm grateful for his life, his legacy. I'm grateful for their lives, their legacy, yeah. and the impact that it has had on our community. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that the, their myriad of expressions of, of the, the pursuit of liberation just shows to the depths and the strength of our people as a whole. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think it's a testimony to the greatness of our people mm -hmm. yeah. and the fact that we have so many different ways that we can, we will pursue freedom. Yeah. Um, that not only is the freedom that God has promised us, uh, like born in our being, mm -hmm. to the fact that it, 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 it refuses to relinquish its desire to be mm -hmm. set free, mm -hmm. you know, and so that you can see all these different manifestations, a beautiful thing from very different form, um, backgrounds and uh, upbringings mm -hmm. and so forth. And um, mm -hmm. it's just a it's just a beautiful truth, you know, yeah. um, so. Yeah. Their lives are a witness to me um, mm -hmm. because they didn't allow the hatred of their of the oppressors, the adversaries, the critics, the opponents to destroy them or their faith. Yeah, right. Um, and that's such a beautiful witness and testimony to yeah. me of the presence of a divine God. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah. I could have easily metabolized that and, and allowed it to transform who they are. Yeah. And they yeah. did not. Yeah. So what well, they did allow it to transform them into being men and women of greater faith, yeah. um, of great and deep love. Mm -hmm. So I'm thankful for that. Um, one of the ways in which um, Elder Lewis was celebrated was through a televised homegoing service. Mm -hmm. um, and he was eulogized by three former presidents, mm -hmm. um, President George, former President George Bush, um, former President Barack Obama, and former President Bill Clinton. Uh, Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Clinton's presence and commentary um, at Elder Lewis's funeral um, are memorable for all the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And so, as I suggested um, at the top of this episode, um, homegoing celebrations are very meaningful mm -hmm. um, in black Christian it's culture. Sacred. Yeah, it's sacred. definitely sacred yeah. space. Mm -hmm. um, at homegoing celebrations, um, when you are invited to take the podium mm -hmm. to speak, that is a deep honor. Mm -hmm. I have family members fight over it. Like, yes. like, you, like you want the opportunity to speak on behalf of someone. Yes. Yeah. 
Like, frankly, it's how you know who's your grandmama's favorite. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 uh, because it's, it's, that's a sacred desk. Uh-huh. Um, that is a moment when the, the family's community gathers and to be appointed as the person to talk about the life of the one that has gone on is no small thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the significance and the weight of that honor was missed yeah. on former President Clinton. I, I would have to agree. <laughs> I, I think I think Bill Clinton took to heart uh, what Toni Morrison said in oh, 1998 boy. that like he was the first black president. And caveat, um, when she was articulating that, she was talking about his socioeconomic location as, and his upbringing. Um, and she was categorizing that he represents, in a way, um, the, the, the black experience in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, at that point in time, there was no real chance of a black president um, mm-hmm. becoming president. And like, her articulation of this um, was widely spread, widely known. Sure. Um, it, it was so um, prevalent until um, Bill Clinton was able to get on Arsenio Hall show and, mm-hmm. and play the saxophone, mm-hmm. which I guess is a black thing to do. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then <laughs> it must be a black thing. I don't know. So, uh, but, do you play the saxophone? I don't. <laughs> but, but some black people do. <laughs> I know black people that do. <laughs> so, uh, we're not a monolith, so no, we're not a monolith. Yeah, but that was that was you know his his blackness being evident. Um, he probably played some Kenny G too. That's the thing about it. Stop. That's the nail in the coffin. Now I'm gonna go and find the episode. I know you gotta find it, man. <laughs> you know you got Arsenio Hall smiling like yeah. But to the point, the problem with what Bill Clinton did was that he he gets up there and he creates this dichotomy like between Stokely Carmichael and John Lewis, mm-hmm. and it creates this like. This, this tension um, that I don't think most people probably even know. Yeah, this maybe, we should probably stop this. So I can speak for myself in this. Right? I try to be alert to things that are happening, but I, admittedly, the whole thing of what former uh, President Clinton did there would have completely been missed by me. It was because I was on a text with all you all. You guys caught it right away. You started briefing right away. I quickly saw how significant it was, but I wouldn't have. So I'd imagine that maybe, you know, probably against some of our listener base has already been talking about this yeah. and understanding it. Some doesn't even know he said this or the significance. So maybe we can slit like... When he talked about Star- uh, Carmichael and compared him to Lewis, can maybe we, can you maybe fill us in a little bit of like the significance, the historical significance of that? So, uh, so like um, the leader of SNCC, um, and, and SNCC is the uh, Student Nonviolence Coordinating, Coordinating Committee. Committee. The, the the position of leadership is an elected position, um, mm-hmm. and so John Lewis has been the leader from his onset, and and then. Um, Stokely um, wins in this election and becomes elected. Um, Bill Clinton references um, Stokely's victory mm-hmm. and the transition of power. And this was late '60s, right? That Carm- that uh, mm-hmm. Stokely Carmichael took yeah. over. Right. So sorry, I keep interrupting. Just making sure we're keeping up. Kind of uh, for me, I had to relearn this history again, or maybe even just learn it. So, just again, we're talking about SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, right? So okay. that that played this important role. Um, uh, John Lewis was the original president, if I'm recalling right. right. And then um, Stokely Carmichael, who's also a civil rights activist, he was elected late 60s, right. took over Lewis, right? So this is kind of some history that President Clinton is referring to in right. his comment, right? Am I getting all that right? Yeah, Just making yeah. sure. Okay, so take it away again. So that's kind of some of what the historical thing is there when yeah. Clinton steps yeah, into this moment. That's the absolute context. And so um, and so Clinton gets up there and he says, like, at, at one juncture, like, John lost his position. When Stokely took over, the, the, the mission moved over, and that there was a shift in the ethos, and it started moving towards more like Stokely. And that, Here, let and me jump in with you. I'll, I'll say word for word. So okay, Clinton yeah, yeah. says, and I, and I say there were two or three years there where the movement went a little bit too far towards Stokely, but in the hmm. end, John Lewis prevailed. Hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's, what, that's what Clinton says at 
the eulogy service for John Lewis, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so keep going. Yeah, and this is, I think, why the scriptures say, blessed are those who see and blessed are those who hear. Um, those without sight wouldn't recognize what Clint was doing here yeah. um, and some of the problems that are associated with it. Wouldn't you agree, Samir? Mm -hmm. yeah. So help us to see, help us so, to hear. Yeah, what happens? So from my vantage point, it's a dog whistle, you know? Um, like, I, I believe that Clinton is, is addressing, uh, like, like, just the context in which things are happening. You know, like look at Black Lives Matter and the movement that's going across the nation. If, if it was to say where it draws most its ethos, it comes from a Stokely Carmichael, I would say. Mm. I would say if you would say who were the, who were the forerunners before Black Lives Matter, I would articulate Stokely Carmichael as one mm -hmm. of the forerunners. Um, and I would say so um, largely because of the, the, the ethic that's associated with it. Um, John Lewis represent one, as I said earlier in the eulogy, yeah. that uh, someone who believes that this democracy can be redeemed. Right. And um, Stokely wasn't of that, that mindset. Yeah. Um, and so what, what Clinton articulated, what I think he was trying to address, was that there's, this, this, there's this, <coughs> these, these dichotomies that exist within movements for black folks. He was yeah. trying to draw these parallels. And then he was saying, there was one that is acceptable to me. There was one that was acceptable to America. There was one that was acceptable to, to our people, to white folks. Mm. And John Lewis was that, that, mm -hmm. that movement. Mm -hmm. um, it does two things. It, one, it, it villainizes um, Stokely Carmichael uh, and movements like Stokely Carmichael's mm -hmm. um, um, or Stokely Carmichael's SNCC um, in such a way that um, white folks who are hearing this are saying, like, look, Look, yeah, that's that's a dangerous one. That's the one that's not effective. That's the one that government is unresponsive to. Mm -hmm. So this is the one we don't get behind mm -hmm. on one level. On the on the other level, it are, it, it villainizes John Lewis for those of us who would would would, would champion the Stokely Carmichael approach. Mm -hmm. um, it, it immediately creates this king, uh, right. kingdom divided turned against itself. It immediately puts us at odds with one another in a way that we weren't yeah. necessarily. You yeah. know, and there was this level of harmony, yeah. this yin and yang, if you will, that's associated with these types of movements mm -hmm. that always existed mm -hmm. in liberation movements, especially in movements, liberation movements with black folks. Yeah. Um, even in households, you have that level of, <laughs> level of, uh, of like one, like you get your mom that will pull that belt on the second, you got grandma yeah. telling you, don't whoop that boy. Like, you have you have that dichotomy all the time, you know, and and, and that dichotomy raises us. You know, we're part we live within that tension of the dichotomy, mm -hmm. and, and and it's normalized for us. Mm -hmm. Clinton overstepped his boundaries. He, he he utilized the space to articulate something that I, I felt that was was damaging. It was divisive and it was intentional mm -hmm. you know, yeah. from my vantage point. I think it was audacious too yeah. for him to think that he had the credibility yeah. to endorse a movement. Or, or blessed, yes, yeah, or like, like right? I bless this, or I yes. don't. But yeah, like who are so you? So that is the acceptable one. That is not right. And so what he was really calling for was conformity, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, he was calling. And, and what Stokely, what Stokely preached, what he evangelized, was he what he modeled, um, and it's 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 what he modeled was um, black empowerment. Yeah. Full stop. And black empowerment leaves behind white people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Black empowerment is to the exclusion of white people because black empowerment does not call for participation or collaboration with whiteness. Yes. And that's yes. threatening. Yeah. That's threatening to the establishment. Yeah. That's threatening to people who've not had to stretch their imaginations to understand what life or the world looks like when they divorce themselves from whiteness. Yeah. So Clinton was understandably extremely uncomfortable with everything that Stokely Carmichael represented. Right. right? Stokely Carmichael would not have been likely to not defend himself yeah. when met with attack. Yeah, definitely not so. Absolutely. Yeah. That's very threatening. That's extremely threatening. This is a good point to take a break to tell you about a few resources and organizations we appreciate. 
if you run a small or mid-sized business and want to increase customer engagement through your marketing channels, such as social media, then get in touch with Jade Productions. That's J-J-A-E-D Productions. They can create beautiful video solutions for your business. You can reach them online at jadeproductions.com. Check out Daniel Hill's latest book, White Lies. It includes nine spiritual practices that can help you continue to engage in the important work of racial justice. Please visit whitelisebook.com to order it everywhere that books are sold. Alfred D. Whitard is the social impact consultancy I founded to work with a cross-section of people and organizations to advance racial equity in communities, enterprises, and systems. Visit us at alfreddwittard.com to learn more about our work and contact us so we can help you or your organization advance racial equity. Let's continue with the critically insightful conversation with Shamika, Brandon, and Daniel. There are layers to what was problematic about what Bill Clinton did. As you've been talking, Brandon, I've constantly been thinking about the number of comments I've seen on social media from black people who've been jokingly saying, this is what happens when you give everybody a, yeah. a pass to uh -huh. the barbecue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seen that. yeah. Right? Yeah. He had this like eternal access pass to all the black barbecues oh, yeah. across mm -hmm. the US. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's become clearly very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Too comfortable. With that access. <laughs> yeah. And so Clinton defiled mm -hmm. the podium mm -hmm. yeah. when he was up there. So, so I, as I've, I've said many times, you two are the two of the voices who I listen to and learn to the mo learn from most when it comes to issues of race and white supremacy. Um, so a few layers here that you've kind of already named, but it's been helpful for me to kind of pull these apart. So um, maybe if we can take a step back and link what is now episode three, what will be episode four in a moment, for uh, the next one that we'll do will be, please sit down, Ken. Um, mm. And one of the, if, if, if we stick to this, one of the differentiations we're making in that one, we're gonna be talking about um, when, maybe I can make the distinction like this. Sometimes white people are trying to do the right thing and they just screw something up mm -hmm. because while trying to do the right thing, they say something ignorant or uh, you know they step into something that they just didn't have the wherewithal to understand. And that's one set of dynamics, an important one. We're gonna kind of explore that. Because right. uh, it just feels important to name, as I'm understanding it, this wasn't accidental no. by Bill Clinton, right? Like, no. like he actually, had a perspective as a white person on the black movement that he felt completely authorized to share, which then represents its own form of white supremacy, which I think we should, can get to in a moment. But I guess I just just trying to name the first thing that 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 feels un, that feels uniquely important about this, right? That yeah. like Clinton actually intentionally you called it a dog whistle, right? When yeah. somebody does a dog whistle, they're trying to say something without saying something, right? Exactly. So so I guess can we just maybe stay there for a second? Just, like so he did this on purpose. Can, it, it yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. That's what I believe. Like, what's the point of articulating his transitional power? Yeah. Through a funeral. What's yes. the whole, what's the purpose of it? Right. Like, what what purpose does it serve? How does this bring to yeah. his legacy? What what does it communicate? And what is it? What purpose does it serve? Especially to celebrate the man's legacy, to dichotomize his transition of power. Stokely yeah. Carmichael's name should have never came out of his mouth. Yeah, right. he, 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 he didn't have to mention him at all. Right. There was no point to the conversation. Right. Um, yet the man is running his mouth like as, as if he knows Stokely like that. You know, like it's one of those like like weird kind of combinations. Like man, you don't even know him. Like, but you as know? if he has an intuitive understanding of the movement, the the the, the different ideologies. He he demonstrated that he yeah. doesn't understand yeah. that it's not an either or it's a both and yeah. we got where we are because of stokely and, and because of john, john lewis, lewis. Exactly. not in spite of stokely yes yes and then and this is this is this is the issue with it for me is that one clinton misplaces himself in the narrative he, he communicates mm -hmm. as if he is part of the struggle mm 
Mm. He thinks he's part of the struggle. Mm. And I think I think this happens with our allies and they, they have to kind of adjust this. Like you can be you can be an ally in the struggle, but you're not part of the struggle. Mm. And the reason why you're not part of the struggle is because you don't have to struggle. <laughs> it's just it's just that you, you don't That's have good. to struggle. Yeah. So so Bill Clinton is saying like, look, this is the way you pursue freedom as a slave owner. Yeah. That's how you have to think about it. Like he, he is he's part of the oppressive class. Yeah. How can you tell me what freedom looks like right. or the pursuit of freedom should, should look like yeah. or the appropriate pursuit of freedom? That's right. almost saying like you can have your humanity on my terms. Yeah. Who are you? Like, yeah. who are you to dictate how I pursue my humanity, how I chase down my humanity? Who are you? Yeah. Like, like it's the equivalent of when and we've seen tons, uh, tons of white men, quite frankly, with power do this and say, we'll get to it. Mm -hmm. Just be patient. Right. Mm -hmm. You're being a little too um, assertive. You want mm -hmm. us to move a little faster. That's just not how things work. Mm -hmm. Right. We're not trying to get it done within the confines of the oppressive system that right. is actively oppressing us. Right. We're going to get it done by any means necessary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, like, again, once you're in the confines of the oppressive system, you're still in captivity. Mm -hmm. And so there's no liberation that can be dictated from us from on high. There was like there, there was there was no there's no communication yeah. from a, from an oppressive class to tell me like this is what freedom looks like and this is how you get there you can't do it mm -hmm. so like like and so the reasons why Clinton came at it this way is if we we have to contextualize ourselves and exegete our our, our our social realities right now um, there there is a movement that is that is polarizing mm -hmm. and that it 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 creates um, a hard time for central liberals liberals. Mm -hmm. It, it, it takes. It, it's really hard for for liberals that, that want to say kind of centric, mm -hmm. um, because they have to make a decision and a choice. Um, do do I push the envelope towards the the, the BLMs and the and the um, AOCs and so forth like that in that direction mm -hmm. of this level of like mm -hmm. progressiveness that is that is that is that is frightening because it, it represents a real change. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or do I stay in this kind of central lane where we try to redeem a broken system? Mm -hmm. And 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 so if he was going to consolidate votes and, and for his and for his to his credit, he was he, what he was doing the work that Barack Obama was trying to do too, which is consolidate Democratic votes in order to to, to help navigate to help keep John Lewis' legacy alive and keep pursuing this level of liberation and freedom through this yeah. particular means, right? So as, as as we look at that, you're like, man, like, so he is trying to create an either or for us for black mm -hmm. folks. He's trying to create either or for those that would ally with black folks. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, alienate the Black Lives Matter movement mm -hmm. and taking steam out of a movement that has actually been effective. So for me, that, that's problematic um, because the, the goal is to retain power for, the, for those who already have it, for the status quo, and, and not for the liberation of my people. Mm -hmm. and, and if you're gonna speak at John Lewis homegoing service, I'm mad, I'm sorry, homegoing <laughs> okay. service, and, and then you're going to use this man who get bled and almost died yes. like countless times right. for the pursuit of liberation. And you're going to use his platform, yes. his life, his legacy. You're going to step up there and then you're going to marginalize his pursuit of liberty, yeah. his pursuit of freedom, yeah. the legacy that, that it comes from. Yeah. That's blasphemous beyond belief. And, and, it, and it's, 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 it's BS. It's like it's a whole nother thing for yeah. me. Um, it's frustrating in the sense that. Like this is this is this is this has always been problematic for me for white folks who claim to be allies. Mm -hmm. It's always been problematic for me in the sense that like when when their interests yes. are at stake, when 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 their retention of power is at play, will you still be my ally? Mm. Can you can you have that level of integrity in the midst of the, the times when you have to make these decisions? Yeah. Um, and, and Clinton demonstrated for me um, the dangers. 
And also reflected back for me further, like like you think about Joe Biden. Like this is the man who said, if you're not voting for me, if a black person's not voting for me, he's not black. Yeah. These these white folks are getting comfortable, and mm -hmm. they are getting too comfortable. And they, and the reason why they're getting comfortable is because we've we've allowed them to 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 assume that being an ally means that you're in the struggle. Yeah. And, I mean, another another reason to elaborate on a point that you made earlier be um, <laughs> that some allies, most quite frankly, most non-black allies cannot endorse any freedom movement ever is because they can never know the depths of the oppression. Yes. We still don't even have full agreement from non-black allies that we are as oppressed as we keep insisting that we are. Yeah. So yeah. you don't get to tell me nothing about yeah. how I pursue my freedom, about how I get free. Right. Right. In addition to that, you still haven't recognized that you're in bondage. Right. And that's the that's the dangerous part right there. Yes. And, and I think that's that's the part where he can't he he can't place himself in the narrative. Yeah. Because he doesn't understand the depths of his captivity. At all. At all. At all. Yeah. And we just saw we, we saw that's deep. Yeah. We saw a man in captivity up there. Um, I mean, can we do maybe one more because those feel like a, so we're analyzing this cultural moment that happened, the very specific thing mm -hmm. of what Clinton did at this homegoing service, he desecrated this, but also the way he, in a profound way, exercised power and privilege to yeah. step in, right? Yeah. And to, it, it, just at the most baseline level, right? Like the name Stokely Carmichael had no business in the, in the homegoing mm -hmm. service, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. we're analyzing this cultural moment, but then we're drawing out some like larger principles, one of which your name, and I think one that you just named that's really powerful. Um, so first, just a larger danger of allies who get too comfortable and start seeing themselves equivalent almost to the black folks in the struggle, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. then feel the authority, am I saying this, the authority, yeah. the yeah. estate to be able to speak into yeah. the way the struggle should unfold? Absolutely. Like, you know, can we just maybe say one more minute as we kind of capture that at a thematic level? I, and I guess I'll say the other one, just so okay. that we don't forget it. The other one then feels like, what would that have looked like? Because that feels really important. You say this to me all the time, Shamika, the, be, for me to be able to, to be an ally, but also constantly identify where I'm at in my mm -hmm. own captivity. So let's come to that one in a minute too. But like, maybe we can just flesh these out at a more thematic level. Yeah. Um, the first one, the dangers of allies when uh, we overstep the, the the way that we're supposed to be kind of in this. I, I think I think it goes back to what we talked about last week, right? When we talked about um, being conscientious in, in our mm -hmm. existence and when we exert power that white folks um, don't necessarily have to be conscientious of, of, their, of their presence. And so I think, again, once you get comfortable and you don't have the capacity to be conscientious in the space that you're in, you don't even recognize when you're utilizing power inappropriately. Mm. You 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 make assumptions that mm. that are just completely unclear and like like and 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 you, and you fail to recognize your blindness and and, mm -hmm. and your and your dull senses. You know, yeah. like th that that reality is just uh, it was just may, may manifest on the stage there. Yeah. Um, and 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 reason for that is again, like a lack of consciousness, mm -hmm. an inability to say. I am a white male who was president of the United States you can't of America. Be much more powerful than that, you can't right? get much yeah. more powerful than that. Yeah. Who's president of the United States? Right. I'm going to, at this point, utilize two black leaders who were significant leaders, yeah. who are revered, and pit them against one another in order to honor one black leader. Mm. Like it, it, it's like, well, why not compare him to, to, to himself? Like John Lewis compared to himself, like John Lewis' life versus your life, Bill Clinton. Like mm -hmm. if you want a, a real dichotomy, <laughs> like that's that's a real dichotomy. Like the, 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 the dichotomy isn't Stokely and, and, and John. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's 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 John and Bill. <laughs> like 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 put that dichotomy there and see what what manifests there. 
But why right. two black people? Right. Like, so it takes, com- totally took himself out of the equation. It takes white people out of the equation altogether. Yeah. <laughs> altogether. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just makes no... Yeah. Or, or use women's suffrage if you want. You yeah. know, like, and how black women are excluded from that. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we, can, we can pick a whole bunch of ways to dichotomize a movement. Yeah. Um, but why two black folks against one another? Yeah. Um, white supremacy always thinks that its way is the best way. Yeah, that right. its norms, its benchmarks, That's its right. standards, its mm-hmm. styles are the best way. Which we have to keep repeating that, right? Because a lot of people associate white supremacy with the most violent acts by the most extreme people. But what you're saying is right on, right? That that's fundamentally what makes it go is that the Absolutely. white way of doing things that can happen in yeah. a, a religious right circle, that can happen in a progressive left circle. No, like white right. supremacy manifests everywhere, right? So okay, yeah. yeah, I think that's just good to keep reminding ourselves of. It, it's extremely important to keep reminding ourselves of that because the, the reason that white supremacy prevails is because the perpetuators, the ones who are conscious and unconscious of it are in positions of power. It's the only reason, right? Right. And so every time they move, make an action, they are perpetuating their norms, leaving no space. So you couple that with the frailties and insecurities of humanity, Mm -hmm. aside from whiteness, right? right? That's a lethal combination. I'm not forfeiting, willingly, usually, people, humans, nothing. I'm not conceding power. I'm not conceding resources, for sure, Right. right, to create space for you. You aside from blackness and whiteness, are already a threat for me. And then when you add blackness to it, this Mm -hmm. thing that white supremacists don't even understand. And we fear what we don't understand, right? right? Right. Which is why everything that we do um, and and acts of advocacy for our freedom and liberation makes them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. To your point, though, you wanted to talk a little bit more about um, the importance of always checking your location. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. say more about that. What's your question there? Well, it's... um, so he, he, he made a multiplicity of errors, um, mm-hmm. right? Got too comfortable, felt authorized to speak as almost a fellow black leader, mm-hmm. um, exercised enormous power by pitting two black people against each other and kind of endorsing one side of the movement and criticizing the other. Uh, but that still doesn't feel like it quite gets to the part, you know, of, and we've kind of hinted at this, he, he's not locating himself, right? So, so if, if what does it look like if he does that? If he if he steps into that space in a way that feels more right, mm-hmm. right? If he's locating himself, and, I, and I'm really now thinking practical, especially for those of us who are white mm-hmm. listeners to this, right? Like, how do you step into a moment like that where you are locating yourself? Like, what what is the more, if I can call it? A, I know we have mixed feelings about the term ally, but we've used it today, so mm-hmm. that's a different episode. Right. If we yeah. would say um, he would have been a more effective ally, or mm-hmm. more, you know, uh, black folks would have felt better about the way he stepped into that, like. Is that possible for you guys to describe a little bit of like what that would have looked like? I mean, I know you're just mad as hell right now. I mean, you know, but, given the work yeah. of his administration, one of the first things he should have done is held himself accountable repent. for any harmful... Th- repent. Okay? That's what you do. You okay. repent. I would have accepted that invitation with fear and trembling yes. in my hands and in my voice. I would have walked up there with such a humble mm. posture that there would have been no question in anybody's mm. mind that I understood the weight of the invitation that I was accepting. Yes, yes, yeah. right? yes, yes, yes. Right? No, totally but also, also I wouldn't have yeah. uttered a word about Elder Lewis's life without first repenting for the harm that I've done to black people and the harm that they're continuing to suffer from. Mm, Thank man. you very much for mass incarceration. Thank mm-hmm. you. We appreciate that. Yeah. That Still working to undo that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So yeah. white supremacy is arrogant and vile. Audacious. It's just it's ridiculous. It, it, and, and, and again, repent. Repent. I mean, like, that's what you do at home coming in. You're like, man, I, I, I saw this man. He makes, and literally, you get an altar cost. Literally, that's what happens at right. home. Come on, B. You, you get an altar cost. Come on, B. Like, look, this man's life was so impactful to me. 
Yeah. I had to look to the king. Yes. I had to look to him. He drew he drew me to God and he, I I see I see the error of my ways. Yes. His, like like literally I see the error of my ways. I see the impact of my choices. And in, in seeing that, I'm gonna repent. And not only am I gonna repent, I'm gonna call everyone else to repent. Mm -hmm. And as a free as a president, yeah. calling the nation to repent for the sins of the, of his administration and the impact that it had on his our people mm. while sending home one of our, our leaders? That's right. Our elders, our ancestors. Our, our, our ancestors. He can do that, though, because and we talked a little bit in episode one about um, the attractiveness of white supremacy. Right. Yeah. So B talks about how it's not just this existential thing. Yeah. Like you get real tangible benefits yeah. from it. Yeah. That would have been political implications for him and his wife. Yeah. yeah. And he repented. Yeah. yeah. His whole right? legacy. He, he jeopardized John Lewis' legacy, Stokely Carmichael's legacy, for so the benefit of, protect of protecting his, his legacy. That's the right. preservation of his political career, yeah. past and present, and yeah. future, yeah. by the way, yeah. right? So what is very common at home-going celebrations when you're invited to speak over the life, to eulogize mm -hmm. the one that is gone, is you often talk about sometimes um, what your relationship with that person was like, yeah. right? You can name, you can lovingly, if your heart is in the right place, you can talk about a rift that may have existed in your relationship mm, yeah, with him, yeah. right? And either how you overcame it or how you're still grieving that you never reconcile or restore the relationship. Right, right. What a beautiful invitation mm -hmm, he was given. Mm -hmm. But with no knowledge or honor of the tradition, he botched yeah. a significant opportunity he had to mm -hmm. usher this nation into deeper healing. Absolutely. And so the, the question comes into like, oh, is there appropriate etiquette towards home goings and stuff like that? But the etiquette is love. The, the etiquette is humility. It, like it, 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 like there, there, there's no like bullet yeah. point structures around it. Yeah. But if you approach it with love and humility and actually yeah. honoring the legacy yeah. of the individual yeah. that you're sending home, it is so easy to do that. Yeah. And you always place the needs of the deceased and the deceased families over your own. That's right. At home going celebrations. Right. It is not about you. Yeah. It's not about your opinion about ideology or practice. No. It is about the celebration of a life, especially a life that we know we have reason to believe that they are with the father the heavenly king now yeah, yeah. what a glorious celebration yeah. you've entered yeah. what a glorious celebration you've yeah. entered yeah and so bill clinton failed mm. he was offensive yeah and we will never forget never <laughs> we will never forget that wraps up this week's episode thank you for listening to listen in with shamika brandon and daniel Please subscribe to, comment on, and rate Listen In on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow us on Instagram at Listen In Pod and join our Listen In Facebook group. Or you can write to us at hello at listeninpodcast.com. Have a great week.